Hello and welcome to Women in Confidence with Vanessa Murphy, the podcast that discusses all things to do with confidence at work. This is a podcast for women who want to know more about where their confidence supports them and where it can let them down in their careers. I'm your host, Vanessa Murphy, confidence coach, HR expert and podcaster. Every fortnight, this podcast will introduce you to women who have interesting stories to tell around confidence. Through their stories, you will realise that even women who appear to have it all have had confidence wobbles. But by listening to them, you will take away what they do to remain top of the confidence game. This week's guest on Women in Confidence is Bridget Schaefers, founder of the Yoga Travel Company, a company that offers bespoke yoga and wellness retreats in her homeland of New Zealand. Bridget has been on a voyage of discovery to find her authentic self, which initially took her to India, where she learned yoga by being in the right place at the right time. She is a self-professed perfectionist who suffers from imposter syndrome, but by circling back on a regular basis, she is able to recognise her behaviours and take some action. She's also a firm believer in being authentic and living in the present moment. And if you're thinking, what on earth are you on about? Bridget will explain more during our chat. But before we get started, I also want to thank Lottie Roberts for guiding me to Bridget. And if you haven't listened to my episode with Lottie, then you ought to, obviously after listening to this one with Bridget first. Bridget, hello and welcome to the Women in Confidence podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm really well and thank you so much for having me. No worries. Um, Could you tell the audience where you are, please? Because I really like to get this sense with my listeners about the global nature of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm currently based in uh, Havelock North, which is in the Hawke's Bay in New Zealand. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So um, I've had so many people um, from all over the world, but yeah, New Zealand. And is, is that South Island? It's North, actually. North Island. Yeah. North Island. Lovely. But I mean, beautiful. Doesn't matter which island, it's all beautiful. Right. So we better get on uh, with the podcast. So I asked this as all my guests, and you're absolutely no exception. Could you tell me, what does confidence mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Confidence, really, if I had to distill it down into sort of one aspect, would be living in alignment with my true nature and living my authentic self. So it's been a journey to get to that point, but but really confidence for me is being authentic and and being probably vulnerable in that authenticity as well. I love a journey, and that's probably why I <laughs> set up the podcast to talk to people about their journeys. And so we'll absolutely get into that. So, do you feel confident now? Do you feel you've reached your full confident self now? I think that I am definitely at a more evolved state of inner confidence than I have been in my life to date. It's still very much a a work in progress every single day. Um, and and I do feel in the, at my essence and in my core really confident. But of course, just through the experience of being a human and of um, of life, really, it's um, it's a continual circling back to find that place of inner peace and inner confidence. And what were you like as a child? Were you confident? Were you aware of what confidence meant? I've reflected on um, on my confidence a lot, actually, in, in preparation for this. And, you know, as a child, if you met me as a younger person, the words you would have used to describe me were probably outgoing, uh, bubbly, assured, um, you know, 
confident, confident really. Um, and and on reflection, that those um, sort of that outward projection that I had was actually overcompensation for what was I was quite. Um, I had quite a lack of confidence inside um, and sort of low self-worth. And I'm, I'm sort of talking more in my teens and into my early 20s and, and really um, sort of a you're not good enough narrative that was on repeat. Um, so I, I would say that outwardly, if you met me, I was really, I appeared very confident, but actually what was happening on the inside was a very different story. Okay. So we're going to get on to how you progress, you know, through your teens and your twenties and then uh, work, but what's your current role? I know you've got your own business, but tell everybody else what it is that you do. Yes. So I, uh, I'm a yoga teacher um, and I, three years ago, founded a yoga retreat business. So it's called the Yoga Travel Company. And uh, what it started life in a, in a bit of a different state. Um, I sort of started it with this vision of connecting people to, to yoga and wellness experiences in um, India and Bali and all these amazing countries that are so rich in, in yogic history. Uh, I, I come from a travel agency background, so it was sort of in line with with that. Um, of course, COVID um, played a part in it morphing many times um, to what it now is, which is a yoga retreat business. So we we run yoga uh, experiences around New Zealand. And you talked about you had a tr- you've got a travel industry background. How do you, then did you go through that part of your career to running your own business? Oh, look, I always describe um, you know, starting my own business, starting the yoga travel company is a synergy of all of my passions and experiences to date. So uh, I had this travel agency experience. I was in the in the travel world for seven years. Uh, I then moved into the corporate world and was working in project management. Uh, in between all of this, I um, had a calling to go to India and found yoga and uh, and really had a have have a passion for for people really. So this this business, this business has come out of or birthed out of this connection of all of these passions of mine, this exploration and travel, um, the transformative experience I had with yoga, and then my love of people. Um, so it's kind of a collective, a, a collective manifestation of the experiences that I've had. Amazing. Well, we'll talk about India because I know that was quite a key part in your life and probably mm. one of the turning points where you actually decided to become your own boss. What was it? What was what did you go to India for? Immediately before India, the the, the couple of years or the probably two to three years before India, um, I've well actually my mum's termed them the dark years, but um now it's kind of stuck. So they're called the dark years, and really they were, I guess if it you know, they were they were years that I really struggled for a number of reasons. Um, look, there was without you know going into too much detail. Detail. It was um, you know an eating disorder, drug abuse, um, investing my energy into people that people and things that weren't valuable. Um, a, a, re- a really low self worth and lack of confidence. Um, and in actual fact, how that manifested was um, through these these aspects like the eating disorder but really it was around self-sabotage self-sabotage because of the low self-worth so I I had a calling to go to India and I can't really explain it any other way than I 
I knew I had to go there. It was like my soul took me to India um, on this path of discovery. And it's kind of a bit cliche because it's the whole eat, pray, love, find yourself in India narrative. But for me, I knew that I needed to go there. Um, and it was there that I discovered uh, yoga for the first time. I walked into a yoga studio up in the foothills of a place called Dharamshala in, the nor- in northern India, um, the foothills of the Himalayas. And and that was where I, uh, I I found yoga. But in you know what I really found was my authentic self. Or I had the start of this discovery of my authentic self, which has then been a process over the last eight years in inquiring into that a little further. But this was the starting point. And so it was a big turning point for me. And what was it about that time then where you were able to find your authentic self? What was the trigger, the catalyst? What was that? Well, for me, my access point to that to that authentic self was through yoga, and and um, I guess I say I say yoga and meditation, but really it's about coming into the present moment and actually sort of on ref- on reflection, I can look back and see it as as there were these crossroads. There was like path of depression, path of anxiety you know, all of these sort of negative experiences and feelings. And then I saw this glimmer of of light, really. And it was a glimmer of a different way of living. Um, and, 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 it's, and I guess it's through these practices of yoga and meditation that enabled me to observe myself or witness myself and my mind, which was this hugely sabotage, this huge, you know, um, part of my self-sabotage from the outside. Mm. So it's um that was kind of the catalyst that was what led me into this journey of self discovery. Well, just going back to the dark years where mm. you talked about having low self worth, you know, drugs, eating disorder, anxiety, all these things. Mm. On reflection, what what drove that to this all come to a head? Because I know you were working in corporate life at that time, but but what actually brought this all? into your reality yeah so when I look back um and I can and when I when I talk about this it's on this it's because of all of the self-reflection and self-inquiry that I've done but but really what I realized was that when I was younger and I wasn't living authentically I was portraying two versions one version out so you've got bubbly confident um you know kind of a bit over the top really (laughs) Bridget um and then you've got inside anxiety you know, anxious, um, l- you know, unconfident, low self-worth. Um, so there was this misalignment. And and really, I, I mean, I could, without drilling into the psychology of my past too much, um, what I've realized through the, through the practice of yoga and meditation is that we're really just a manifestation of our experiences and our past experiences. So, you know, I could reflect back on some of the things that I'd moved through, like, um, a broken, uh, a broken coming from a broken home, a very fractured relationship with my father, the death of my my auntie, who was a who was a very close friend of mine, uh, and you know, getting a broken heart. All of these things happened in my life, and but yet, you know, I will say here as well, it, you know, it's not uncommon, right? Everyone's got a story. Uh, everyone has, as part of sort of being a human, we move through these experiences of. Um, negative emotion but I I guess what I've reflected on is is that because of these experiences that I'd had at an early age it sort of 
became a, a conditioning and I had these ingrained habitual patterns and thinking that led to this low self-worth. Um, you know, and, and that carried with me and it still does because it's still a work in progress, but I can sort of attribute these feelings of lack of confidence back to some of the experiences that I, that I had when I was younger. Um, what led me to India, I still can't even answer that because I think it was, I, I literally, because I, this is my belief system, my, my soul led me there on a healing journey. Um, and, and that's where the sort of, it started for me. And how long were you in India for? Three months. Three months. And then did you get to travel around or was it purely just immersing yourself in, in yoga and meditation? So I went to India with no plan. So my, to my mum's horror, um, at, in my early 20s, I said, I'm going to India and I'm going for three months. And um, I have no, I, ha- I think I had, so what I did do is I booked my first week. I booked a tour on my first week just to sort of, you know, get in the groove. And then I had no plan. And I ended up in, um, up in Rishikesh uh, and then uh, was um, staying in an ashram. And heard that, you know, some friends that I met said, the Dalai Lama's talking in, uh, in Dharamshala tomorrow. Shall we go? So, of course, we, we all were keen to, and it was a 16-hour bus to get up to Dharamshala. Heard the Dalai Lama talk and then walked into a yoga studio next to the little hostel we were staying in. And um, they were actually in the middle of a teacher training. Um, and this is so India, but um, the teacher, Mahi, um, he said, oh, you should just you should just jump in on the teacher training. We've done half, but just do 100 hours. And just so I ended up for two or three weeks from 5 a.m. to literally 7 p.m. being immersed in this teacher training that I just jumped onto, which would never happen in New Zealand. You can't just jump onto a teacher training halfway through, but in India you can. And so here I was just immersed in this world. And I, it was just like, a, um, you know, I was just hooked. And had you done yoga before? No, no. Wow. So I was just, yeah. <laughs> so I just rolled with it. I just sort of, and um, it's, yeah, and, and it was an incredible experience. And I said to my teacher, Mahi, I said, I'll be back in two years and I'll do my, I'll do my actual teacher training with you. Um, and I did. I went back two years later and um, I completed my 200-hour teacher training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was more, you know, that, that then my real belief in yoga's capacity to heal and transform was crystallized at that time. And do you think those two weeks where you said you immersed yourself in this teacher training you just happened to walk into gave you, I don't did it cocoon you from actually your life and give you the space that you needed? That's actually a really great insight because absolutely what it what it did was it took me out of my it, I was almost plucked out of my habitual way of operating of self-sabotage of negative self-talk all of all of that um, and the and the sort of and the environment I was putting myself in with the you know high stress jobs drug abuse you know all of that kind of thing and took me into a completely different scenario where I was able to actually still the mind for the first time in many, many years and actually connect into what I, what I describe as my true essence. And, um, and, and, you know, and I really was in a bit of a, um, <laughs> you know, the transition back to New Zealand was quite difficult because I'd been in this sort of, you know, nirvana for three months and so it was a transition back it felt quite hard to come back into the reality but um, it was the start of me beginning to I guess 
you know, really love myself in a way. And it's, it's still a work in progress, but it was the start. I was going to ask you about your return to New Zealand. So what did you go back to? What happened then? Yeah, so at that time I was um, I was working in the corporate world. Uh, and so I was working as a project manager in um, largely in government. Uh, and it was and it was very high stress. It was it was pretty it was pretty hectic. Um, I'd sort of fallen into this role. I'd sort of um, you know, had been in the travel industry world for so long, and I for seven years, and then actually from memory, I left the travel world to do this trip. So I left um, the travel world, did this trip, and when I came back, felt a little bit lost to be honest, um, and ended up getting a role as a project coordinator um, as a temp role. And so then actually it, it moved into project management. And over the course of the next sort of five five to six years, I was working in project management and government um, by accident, which is interesting um, because even though I'd had this really profound experience in India, I guess this was when I really had to put it into practice because I was um, in a new world um, of which I had I did struggle probably a lot with my confidence in a professional capacity um, and in, a, in the professional world you know it was something that was really hard for me and on reflection now do you see that time in that corporate as the the sort of kick up the arse I suppose to then start your own business yeah absolutely and I think you know I'll give you an example um, is that I'd be in these meetings and I'd have to um we'd have these meetings every morning with the team you know just a round table and there's maybe like six or seven people in our team and we had to just give a, you know, a little update, a couple of minutes around our work. And every single time, so it would start with our manager and, you know, my, I went into the full body visceral response to having to speak in public, which is only in front of six people, to the point where I had my heart was beating faster, my palms are getting clammy. I'm, you know, looking at every person as it goes around the circle, gets to me, I could turn beetroot red absolutely beetroot red every single time and then I stammer something out that probably didn't even make sense and you know so it, and so I was I was really struggling with this this confidence in that environment and when I actually reflect back on that this this lack of confidence was because really I wasn't living my authentic life I wasn't actually doing the work that fed my soul and and was my passion and so I struggled with with that misalignment, I guess. And so that kind of led me on this path to then move into my own business, um, which was a, much more in alignment with with what I wanted to who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and share. And when you started the yoga travel company, how confident were you that it was gonna be fine and it was gonna work out for you? I was really naive and I had no idea. I think I said, I told this to someone yesterday, um, one of the people that I work with closely in the business, I said, and I, I had this thought that, oh yeah, I'm just going to, you know, start this yoga travel agency after being out of the travel world for years. And um, I'm going to make $100,000 in my first year. It's going to just go completely off. I'm going to, this naivety was like, it, it's just incredible, you know, because obviously it wasn't easy. And um, I had no idea that it was going to, um, how it was going to go. And really, as we've seen over the last three years, there's been multiple curveballs. Um, and it's been a real test of perseverance um, and trusting in 
trusting in the process and the journey. And really what I've sort of uncovered about being in business is that it brings you up close and personal with the areas that you need to develop and the areas that you need to work on. So actually this, 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 this creating a business and stepping into something that's unknown really has helped me become more confident. So you knew when you were in your corporate job that you weren't living your authentic self and some of this um, was showing up in, in your meetings. You've gone into business. Do you feel you've achieved your authentic self now? Because you still you said you, you, you're sort of out close and personal to yourself. Do you feel you are your authentic self now? Yeah, I do feel that the work that I do is a reflection of what I want to share with the world in an authentic way. That doesn't mean I don't still struggle massively with perfectionism, people-pleasing, imposter syndrome, you know, et cetera. I still have to circle back to, you know, to finding that place of peace and confidence and authenticity every day. But um, I wouldn't trade the uncomfortableness of being in the unknown with going back to a job where I, uh, the work where I really had to sell my soul to do it. Um, it took a lot of courage actually to to leave that world and go into the unknown with no, with with not knowing how it was going to go. Mm. You talk about people pleasing and imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do hear that a lot uh, in all my recordings, and it seems to be something that's frustratingly um, around. You must see this now in your clients who show up to your retreats, how do you help them get through that? Yeah, and, and what we observe, um, and of course, every retreat is different and, and the group of people is different and the dynamic is different. But what I've often observed over the of the course of the last year is people arriving with a bit of a, well, they arrive um, with all of their life story and their, you know, whether that be, um, stress at work, um, you know, there's, they're moving through a healing experience. There's, you know, a lot of people come to retreat because they're in a healing capacity. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've moved through cancer. There's sometimes a, a, a reason why they arrive and they're there. They're looking for something to give them meaning. And um, and a lot of the time, we, a lot of corporates are on the retreats. And you almost see the collective exhaustion and the collective stress, particularly in the last year with what's happening in the world. So we observe this real, um, the best way to describe it is when I when people arrive, I feel like they're these closed little rosebuds and they're sort of very, there's a bit of a facade up um, and they, um, yeah, they're, they're sort of operating you know, how they would in their normal lives. But then over the course of the work that we do and the practices, it's like you're peeling away the layers slowly. And and then about on, you see these sort of energetic shifts through the days. And then on about day three, you've got this beautiful opening of people that are actually in their true essence and their authentic self. And they you even looking at people, they're lighter in body, mind, and soul. They're just expressions. So, you know, this is this is generalization as well. But in general, you see this real opening and this real vulnerability and and um and transformation really. Mm. And on a retreat with you where you go from this closed rosebud to this beautiful <laughs> flower, yeah. help help me understand what process do you take them through to 
I guess flower. I mean, I think it's a good <laughs> to blossom. Analogy. Oh my gosh, I'm making it sound like it's all like um, you know rainbows and unicorns and flowers, <laughs> but it's actually hard work, mm. right? Because what's happening is um, we're sort of through the through the meditation practices. So you know, on a typical day, there'll be you know daily yo- twice daily yoga meditation. You've got uh, workshops and. Uh, really nourishing food, mostly um, vegetarian. Um, so you're sort of removing people from what can often be really stressful and busy lives into a, a little bit like a mini India, um, to a, a space of nourishment, of space, of peace, of self-inquiry. And I think that just the simple act of, again, leaving our habitual ways of operating to then just being and um, and really just allowing, you know, things to come up um, is what makes it really powerful for people. And you must see so many um, sort of emotional outpourings as a result of this, you know, the shedding of their, their life, you know, three days ago, whatever it is. I mean, I feel like if I were to go on a retreat and I've never actually done one, I think I'd probably cry. I think I, I can just feel myself that it would just be such a big emotional release. Do you see that? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of tears, um, and how we always open and close our, our retreats is via with a, with a, a quite a sacred opening and closing ceremony, and as part of that, uh, people are invited to share um, if they want to, and it's it, a lot of emotion can come up, a lot of emotion, and um, we hear a lot about you know grief and experiences and and things like that and what I initially found because I'm I'm a total empath and just um you know I'll, I'll cry watching Blumen a soap opera on tv you know like I literally I'd cry if I heard a beautiful song on the radio like I just I'm a crier um which is now a bit of a joke on the retreats but what I've kind of how I've kind of evolved through that is that I actually noticed myself really holding um my um, emotions a little bit more tenderly now and I can actually try and be a little bit more of um, you know of holding that space for other people to express and 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 this is where I what I've really learned and it's helped me in my learning is that everyone has a story everyone has moved through you know experiences of of pain and sadness and grief and this is part of being a human uh, we've also all moved through you know, experiences of joy and abundance and happiness and love. You know, we say in yoga that this journey of 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 being a human is is beautiful, but often very turbulent. So, for us, the practice is to observe the turbulence rather than get caught up in the story of the suffering, and therefore, you know, be in closer connection with our true essence. And do you think that because you've been through some of this turbulence? you're a better yoga teacher or a retreat manager I don't know how you call it do you think it's your it makes you better at what you do because you've been there yes definitely I think that you know through adversity you you learn and you can be empathetic and compassionate towards people and None of us are exempt from from going through. What for me, it was you know the broken family, the eating disorder, the you know rah rah rah. But for others, it's something else. And so I guess we're all 
you know, we can all operate in a space of compassion and kindness to people. Um, but it definitely has helped me to move through some pretty, pretty dark times um, to then be able to help people see the light, which is essentially why I started this business, because I can hand on heart say that the course of my life changed through these practices. And my vision for this business was to enrich other people's lives so that they too could have that healing experience. Um, and confidence is a massive part of this for me because it's part of the whole story. I've come from a place of very low self-worth to a place of to a place of peace and confidence that I still need to work on, of course, all the time. And how do you work on it? How do you keep either building or just maintaining your level of confidence? Self-awareness and observation would probably be two areas. So I'll give you a really good example, which you'll probably laugh at. I, I woke up this morning. I knew the podcast was on today. I woke up this morning. It was about 6.30. And, you know, I, the first thought that I was not the first, but, you know, I had the thought, oh, no one wants to listen to me. Like, no one wants to hear my story. You know, I'm probably going to be really bad at this. I've never done it before. Um, I, I actually don't think I can do it. So I had these thoughts just sort of rush in. How can I get out of this? Like, I can't do this. Nobody's going to like like it, et cetera. And then I sort of had this. So that was the first, you know, rush of thoughts, this fluctuation of the mind. And then it goes into the second stage, which is, okay, okay, what's the time? All right, so I've got like eight hours. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to prepare for eight hours. So I went into total perfectionism, micromanaging myself, control. Right, if I, just, if I just go through every single possible question and I write down all these things and I prepare, then surely it's going to be okay. So I go into my habitual way of operating, which is um, perfectionism and having to have control, to then moving through that and going, ah, I noticed these thoughts. This is this is my, you know, in a, in a self-critic. Cool. I've seen you before. You're here all the time. Actually, what I'm going to do is park you over to one side. And all I'm going to do today is I'm going to speak from my heart. And it's not going to be perfect. And um, and that's okay. And and so I thought, okay, so I got up and I my 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 in-laws are staying. So I took my my um, mother-in-law through a one-on-one yoga session, which she loved. Then I went for a little walk and I went to a cafe and I just wrote down a few notes and um, of what inspires me and what, what has helped me and, you know, for maybe half an hour. And then here I am, you know, so this is, so that's the practice because the fear was there. The lack of confidence was there. The imposter syndrome was definitely present but I stepped outside of it and that was, I've learned to apply that sort of technique to then step into something that probably scares me and I feel uncomfortable and it's, you know, out of the comfort zone. So it's a daily practice. Mm. Well, you are doing perfectly. I have to say, don't tell a perfectionist they're doing perfectly. <laughs> I have never made a perfect podcast. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's a myth, I tell you. <laughs> So what's next for for you, for your business? Where do you think that 2022 is going to take you? Yeah, well, actually, it brings a, that actually is a nice segue into another area that I think has really helped my confidence is that um, I'm currently six months pregnant. um, So I'm welcoming a new baby in March. So that's going to be um, a whole nother chapter. Um, And actually, when I had thought about some of the ways that I've 
re- that have really helped me in my confidence becoming a mum because I, I do have another daughter called Madison and she's uh, nearly two and it was almost like after the birth it was almost like a rebirth of me and I just got an injection of confidence and of uh, self-worth so becoming a mum and, and moving through that has really helped and it's been a beautiful experience it's almost like I don't sweat the small stuff anymore as much because you've got to keep a human alive you know it's sort of and it's just been a beautiful process of um, also wanting to be a role model and 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 show my daughter how to you know embody a strong confident you know be a strong confident woman um, so it's not just about me anymore. It's about my children. And so next year is going to, it's been a real case of this, you know, full A-type personality, you know, energizer bunny that I am um, having to go, okay, I need to take a little step back here and um, and I need to be present with my family. So I've got some fantastic people working in our team. And uh, again, this is a practice of letting go, of le- letting go, stepping away, l- removing control and trusting the people that are working in our team. So we've still got eight retreats um, planned and um, moving into doing some um, more virtual work, um, virtual retreats and virtual offerings. So, um, but very much with my family front of mind, first and foremost. So for someone who um, is a perfectionist, um, some control uh, needed what have you actually sort of done that you can share with the listeners that you have felt comfortable handing over some of those responsibilities to a team? Yeah, it's it's an area that I have um, really had to work hard at. And I'll just to before I go into that, I'll share a little story that was a, another turning point. I've got all these little crossroads. Um, when I was working in a project manager in government, um, I. Um, was taken into a one-on-one with my manager and uh, basically in no uncertain terms she told me that I was a complete micromanager um, control freak were probably some of the words used it wasn't very it was it was pretty it was pretty rough really I was I, I was I was operating in a complete um, blind spot so I ha- I was completely unaware that this was how I was operating and this was how I was perceived and um after she sort of had sort of laid down that you know your t- the team is really struggling to work with you because they feel like you don't trust them and you're 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 smothering their creativity and you think you can do it better than everyone essentially, you know I had this after this conversation I literally went and cried in the toilet first but then also um, got super angry and and wrote my resignation letter that night and I was like how can they they don't blame and value me I work so hard because of course I I'd put that my how how much effort I put in was you know my worth and um and I didn't have my resignation in the next day but I reflected on what what was what I was told um and a week later I decided that she was absolutely right and <laughs> um and it was the start of trying to be very aware that me taking over and controlling in a way was it was robbing someone else of their creativity and so how I now operate um <laughs> most of the time because people know that I, I do like things a certain way but most of the time I give the people that work with the team creative control so I've got a blueprint I've got a structure I, I work hard on the things like the organization the operations the structure and then I say and now here's the framework fly within that and and bring your authentic self and be vulnerable and do the things that feel good to you 
to enable people to really flourish in that space. So that's been my approach um, with the business and, and the retreat leaders that I work with, um, our chef, you know, all of the people on the ground. It's been a it's been a place of trust. And so anybody who's listening and thinks I really want to un- sort of learn more about well the tra- the yoga travel company or just a bit more about you and particularly these retreats because you've got lots happening next year. How can people find you? Yeah, so we have a website um, and all of our retreats are listed on there. So we have, um, it's just theyogatravelco.com and uh, all our retreats are on there. And uh, we also have uh, our social media accounts, which are how we, you know, access, you know, how we communicate. Um, yeah, and look, next year we're sort of, we are very much um, wanting to stay in New Zealand and keep exploring, but the exciting thing is that we are actually looking further afield. So 2023 and beyond, um, we are looking to go um, international, and that's really exciting. Um, but, of course, it's been a big test in agility over the last couple of years because who knows what's, what 2023 is going to look like. So we just sort of trust the process and, and trust the unknown. And I'm curious, have you been back to India since you did your 200 hours, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I have been back once. So when I decided to start up the business um, as a travel agency, connecting people to experiences, I dragged my mum around Nepal, India, Bali and Sri Lanka and literally went for about three weeks and went it was it was just so classic me. I, we were having a night in each place. It was actually really hard work, but we went to connect with a lot of retreat centres over there and teach training schools. So we went back to India, went down south to Goa, and yeah, had an experience there. So, and it's actually really interesting because how it's kind of evolved is that when I first had this vision for the business. I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to go international. And then it was, you know, connecting people to all of these international experiences. And then it morphed into us going to take a retreat to Bali. And pre-first lockdown of COVID, um, we had a group of 24 booked to go to Bali. So it kind of had gone from being a travel agent to then organising group tours internationally to then obviously organising these group experiences in New Zealand. And, you know, on reflection, it's been the beautiful act of simplifying and actually probably starting where I should have started anyway, which was to start really small and simple and then grow and evolve. So for us to say, you know, in a couple of years, we might be in Bali, it's, you know, it, it, it cracks me up to think that's where I was going to, it was the starting point for me a few years ago. But that's part of the learning, you know, start small, take the steps and pro- progress naturally. Um, so we've really been able to finesse the product here first. So in the final few minutes of the recording, what's your one piece of advice you can give to people who are listening to help them achieve their confidence or to grow their confidence? You know, as I said earlier, my access point to my authentic self was through the practices of yoga and meditation. But there are many access points. So what I would encourage people to do is to find their version of meditation. And when I say that, what I mean is what, 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 what makes you happy? What, what activity or what can you do that brings you into the present moment? Because when you can be in the present moment, you can be with your authentic self. And in, in my experience, my authentic self is a confident self and I can move with more peace and more ease. So meditation for me is not just about sitting cross-legged. 
and meditation. I mean, it could be, you know, dancing, swimming, you know, walking in nature, you know, surfing, whatever it is that brings you into the present moment, do more of that. Because I think that confidence will arise out of being in the present moment. I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to say, there'll be people who think, I don't know what she's talking about. Present yeah. moment, authentic <laughs> self, what are you want about? Yeah, I'm talking in, um, in retreat, in retreat uh, terminology. Um, yeah, it's actually, it's actually about happiness, I think, and about, um, and, and, and I guess, being true to who you are. I think often what I sort of mean by that as well is that often we're caught up in the mind. So we're either thinking of the future or thinking of the past without being fully present in the experience that we're having in this moment. And often our suffering comes from that attachment to the past or the future. So, in my, okay, so an example would be in that space of self-sabotage, I had this internal inner critic that was always saying, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Um, you know, it's I was attached to this narrative in my head. And if you can actually step outside of that narrative, you can then just be who you are with more compassion and kindness and authenticity. And do you think you have to go through suffering or a dark period of, of time in order to be able to find a true you? No, not necessarily. I think that I, I love this term, just keep circling back, because I, um, you know, my mind will always wander. I'll always become a perfectionist again. I'll always be a people pleaser. I'll drop into micromanagement at times. But I think the biggest thing is that self-awareness and reflection to go keep circling back. I mean, I've had it this week. I went into full micromanagement on an, on an issue at work. And and then as I sat down that evening with a cup of tea, I can go, oh, gosh, I just really didn't deal. I just really didn't deal with that very well. And the next day I might call that person and say, hey, I've actually reflected and, you know, so it's a work in progress and it's a continual circling back. Um and, and I, I use affirmation a lot as well. So that's another little top tip. Um, I think if I can look back at this blushing beetroot Bridget back in, you know, whatever year that was at these, in these meetings to, to now standing up in front of a yoga class and teaching or, um, you know, doing a talk or even being on this podcast, um, I, I do affirmation. So before... Before I speak, I will literally go into a quiet space and repeat um, affirmations. The one might be, um, I release the need to be perfect. I release the need for people to like me. Um, I release the need for approval. And, I, and, and I'm going to just speak from the heart and be, and be embodied in what I'm doing. And I think that, that when I've enabled myself to not be perfect and to be vulnerable. So vulnerability has been a big one. Um, and allow people to see the real me, not this facade of perfection. Then I've really, and it's really helped me to just be confident in who I am. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for speaking from the heart and for not being perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's perfect not to have somebody who's perfect on here. So thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your experience and also your, your hints and tips for people who are listening. And so thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real joy to share. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Confidence. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please like it, share it, comment on it, and if you want to, sponsor it. If you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, 
then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time. Thank you.